Hello humans, this is now part four of my series on the meaning of Christmas. So in part one, I showcased how the Christmas that Christians celebrate is not pagan, and no, it's not a sin to celebrate Christmas. In part two, we learned the depth beyond the surface about the Christmas miracle of the incarnation via the tabernacle. In part three, we learned the depth beyond the surface of light being a part of Christmas celebration. And for this fourth part, which will conclude my series, we are going to extract important biblical truths from a beloved Christmas classic, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. So I recommend that right now you pause this video and you either go read it or watch it, and then you return to this message so it'll be fresh in your mind. Okay, did you do it? Now, assuming that you have read it or watched it, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, let's extract some important biblical truths from that story. Well, first and foremost, for many people, Christmas is a time of joy and celebration. However, for some people, Christmas is a time of stress, frustration, anxiety, loneliness, sadness, depression. So, whether you have lost the Christmas joy, have never had Christmas joy, or you merely need a reminder as to why we need to keep Christmas joy, I want to provide you with the seven C's to overcoming Grinchmas, which will help you welcome and celebrate Christmas. In Dr. Seuss's 1957, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the Grinch is depicted as a grouchy creature secluded in a cave. The Grinch lives on a cliff overlooking the cheerful, optimistic community of Whoville. The Grinch hates Christmas and the festivities celebrated during the season. He is irritated by the happiness of others and he derives pleasure from spoiling other people's enjoyment. Maybe you're a Grinch, hmm? Or perhaps maybe someone else in your life is a Grinch. Either way, joy can be obtained and retained. Now from the story of the Grinch, I think that there are at least seven biblical principles that we can learn and apply to our lives. The first C is comparison. Hmm. So the first thing mentioned in the story of the Grinch is that every who liked Christmas a lot, but the Grinch did not. The Grinch stood on a cliff looking down at the who's. His focus was on who they were what they did, and what they had. Comparison, listen, comparison creates the I can't moments in life. The Grinch compared himself with every who in Whoville. He compared himself with every who's smile, joy, laughter, and celebration. And this comparison led him to realize he did not possess what they had. Likewise, they didn't have the character traits he possessed. But, you know, instead of allowing the realization to lead him to repentance, he allowed himself to become miserable. Well, comparison can produce envy, and envy produces hatred. Now, that hatred will either be directed toward the person being compared, or it'll boomerang to the very person doing the comparison. But the Grinch had pride, therefore, his hatred was directed toward every who and whoville. Well, you know, because the problem couldn't possibly reside within himself, right? 
Listen, are you comparing your life by others' blessings? Now, if I can be honest, if I can confess my sin to you, uh, I'm guilty of sometimes envying others. I catch myself doing this. And listen, as a Christian, I know I should not be doing that. Listen, it is just a, it's just the truth that comparing yourself to others will negatively affect how you view yourself. Consequently, how you view yourself will determine your attitude. And inevitably, your attitude will determine your actions. But again, as Christians, we are not supposed to compare ourselves with others. God created you to be unique. Embrace your own blessings and stop concerning yourself with what others have, where others are at in life, and what others are doing. Look, you are the absolute best at being you and doing only what you can do. Absolutely no one else in the entire world is able to be exactly like you. Therefore, do what only you can do and do it to the best of your ability. In the NLT, in Galatians 6, 4-5, it is written, Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. And in the NIV, in Proverbs 14.30, it says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Hmm. Well, in the voice translation, in Galatians 1.10, it says, Do you think I care about the approval of men or about the approval of God? Do you think I am on a mission to please people? If I am still spinning my wheels trying to please men, then there is no way I can be a servant of the Anointed One, the Liberating King. So, from these scriptures, God is telling us that we should not compare ourselves to others and envy others because we need to keep our focus on being obedient to what God has called each one of us to do with our sole purpose of pleasing the Lord, not people. And... As long as we are doing what God is calling us to do, well, then we are at the place we should be, and we are doing what we should be doing. The second C is confinement. The Grinch lived in a cave all by himself. He isolated himself. He had confined himself to his loneliness. So, is it any wonder why the Who's joy irritated him so much? The joy of others only revealed and then amplified his own misery. The sound of their laughter traveled up into his cave and it seemed to be directed toward his insecurities. The Who's joy called attention to the very thing he was lacking. Understand this. When you isolate yourself, you are an easy target for demonic attack. Evil will invade your isolated and unguarded mind and infiltrate your thoughts. Remember, the lion seeks to attack the unfortunate animal that gets separated from the herd. In the ESV, 1 Peter 5.8, it says, Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And in Proverbs 18.1, it says, 
Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. And in the voice translation of Proverbs 27:17 says, In the same way that iron sharpens iron, a person sharpens the character of his friend. And also, it is written in the NLT in Ecclesiastes 4, 9-12, it says, Listen, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, well, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing back to back? Uh-huh. They can conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. So, from these scriptures, God is telling us that life is not meant to be lived out alone. Listen, it is for this reason that God said in Genesis 2.18, It is not good for the man to be alone. We need others. If we become isolated and separated from the body, then we will become easy targets for the enemy's attack. The third C, conviction. Examine the definition of the word Grinch. Yeah, it's a real word. Grinch means a mean-spirited, unfriendly, or overall unpleasant person who spoils other people's fun or enjoyment uh, and dampens the pleasure of others. So, the creator of the Grinch, Theodore Dr. Seuss Geisel, he explained in the December 1957 edition of Red Book how he came up with the idea of the Grinch. It's very interesting. This is what he said. I was brushing my teeth on the morning of the 26th of last December when I noticed a very Grinch-ish countenance in the mirror. It was Seuss. So I wrote about my sour friend, the Grinch, to see if I could rediscover something about Christmas that obviously I'd lost. Wow. Dr. Seuss wrote the Grinch story based on himself due to the conviction he felt and then responded to. So, are you placing your focus on the negative aspects surrounding this Christmas season? Are you placing the focus on yourself and your problems? Is it possible, maybe, that you just need to rediscover something about Christmas that you have obviously lost or never found? I mean, we're all familiar with the Grinch who stole Christmas, but we often neglect to see ourselves as the Grinch. Are you being a Grinch without even realizing it? The Grinch originated from a genuine moment when Dr. Seuss confronted himself with the truth he saw in the mirror. Are you willing to look at yourself in the mirror? Are you willing to confront yourself with the truth? We often discover truth and enlightenment when we face and conquer our own demons. Are you ready to admit your shortcomings? If you have unrighteousness within you, are you ready to repent? Allow the Holy Spirit within you and He will bring truth. And with this truth comes conviction. And conviction is the reason truth sets people free. In the ESV, Proverbs 1-7 says, 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And in the NLT, Proverbs 3, 11 to 12, it says, My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. And in the message paraphrased translation in Proverbs 12, 1, it says, If you love learning, you love the discipline that goes with it. How short-sighted to refuse correction. So, from those scriptures, God is telling us that we need to welcome the Holy Spirit to convict us of our wrongdoings, and we need to welcome correction and discipline. It is only because God loves us that He desires to correct us. God desires for us to grow and mature in righteousness. But conviction comes after being willing to confront the Grinch in the mirror. And so, while refusing to compare ourselves with others, we focus on our relationship with the Lord. However, focusing our relationship on the Lord without comparing ourselves to others does not involve isolating ourselves to a permanent state of sol solitary confinement. So, while we keep our focus on our relationship with the Lord, we continue to have consistent fellowship with the body, and in doing so, we will naturally invite conviction, correction, and this will bring us to sincere repentance. So, the fourth C, Christ. Sincere repentance and acceptance of Christ as our Lord and Savior is prerequisite for salvation. Repentance leads to Christ, who is the center, the core. Look, we don't have Christmas, or Christmas, without Christ. Jesus came to be the sacrifice who would save us from ourselves. We simply could not live up to the perfect standard of holiness that is required for us to dwell with the perfect and holy God. But Jesus came to be the bridge that would forever reunite us with our Creator. This season is for our Savior, and He is the reason for the season. We celebrate the fact that God loves us so much that the Word became flesh and lived out a perfectly sinless life in order to willingly sacrifice Himself for us. He died so that we may live, truly live. We celebrate that Jesus was born into this world from a virgin in order to be the sinless sacrifice who would save us from ourselves. Because we could not reach God by our works, God came to us out of His grace and mercy. It is written in NLT in Matthew 1, 20-21, As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. <laughs> the fifth C. Contentment. Look, once Jesus is our focus, we will no longer have the focus on on others, what they're doing about their lives and all that. 
we won't even have the focus on ourselves, on our problems. If we truly realize how bad many people in this world have it in life, in other nations, look, it, it should be easy to be content in any circumstance that we find ourselves in. Now, this is the opposite side of comparison or envy. And this only happens after you cross the bridge of Christ. This is how you battle those thoughts of comparing yourself with others. The moment you start to compare yourself with others to see how they might have it better than you, at the same exact time, you also have the opportunity to see how you have it better than others. I mean, there are, in fact, prisoners here in the United States who live in greater comfort than those who are considered to be free in third world countries who are mere skin and bone starving to death. There are Christians in China, India, other nations who are being martyred for their faith. Listen, the truth is that you're blessed and your life could always be much worse than it is right now. The truth is that you are exactly where you need to be right now for God to take you to where he wants you to go so that he may bless you there. Our focus is not to be on the world and its ways. In fact, this world is going to come to an abrupt end and we will live in eternity on a new earth under the new heavens. So neither Christmas season nor Christmas day itself is about receiving gifts or possessing anything of monetary value. It is about celebrating salvation through our savior. And to find contentment, you need only to change your perspective. To find contentment, you need only to focus on Christ and what the Holy Spirit is calling you to do. So it is written in the voice translation in Romans 12, 1-2, it says, Brothers and sisters, in light of all I have shared with you about God's mercies, I urge you to offer your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice to God, a sacred offering that brings him pleasure. This is your reasonable, essential worship. Do not allow this world to mold you into its own image. Instead, be transformed from the inside out by renewing your mind. And as a result, you will be able to discern what God wills and whatever God finds good, pleasing, and complete. And then it is written in the NLT, Philippians 4, 8-9. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. And then he continues in verses 11 to 13. For I have learned, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So, from these scriptures, God tells us that our perspective about our circumstances, our outlook on life, 
determines our ability to remain content. Essentially, our inner disposition should never be altered by our exterior circumstances. Instead, our faith within us should embolden us to walk through any valley of the shadow of death. Why? Because the Lord is with us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? The sixth C, contribution. So, the Grinch stole all of the Who's material possessions, everything of monetary value. And as the Grinch stood on the cliff, waiting to hear mourning and crying from Whoville, he heard joyful singing instead. And after hours of pondering and self-examination, the Grinch finally realized that material items don't bring joy. In fact, he discovered that the joy had already been within them. And that's when the Grinch decided to return to them all of their gifts. And in the process of doing so, the Grinch discovered joy in the act of giving. Why? Because to love others is to put them before yourself. So, what can you give? Your time? Love? Financial support? Or maybe you're good at cooking and you can feed someone. Maybe you're a gifted musician. You can play music for someone. Maybe you're an excellent artist. You can draw a picture for someone. Or perhaps you can just simply be there for someone and provide a listening ear. There is always something you can do. There is always a way to give. In the NLT, it is written in Acts 20, 33-35, I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who were with me. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Mm. And in the message paraphrased translation, in 1 Corinthians 13, 4-8, it says, Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't always have a swelled head. It doesn't force itself on others. It isn't always me first. It doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others. It doesn't revel when others grovel. It takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. So... From these scriptures, God tells us that genuine contentment leads to loving contribution. God has loved us. Now, how can we love others? And so finally, the seventh C, camaraderie. So the Grinch, after giving the stolen gifts back to everyone in Whoville, the Grinch joined the Who's for a feast. Understand this. Look, God did not design us to do life alone. Our desire for contribution will naturally lead us to camaraderie, 
which means a mutual trust and friendship among people who spend a lot of time together. In Acts 2, 41-42, after everyone had been filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, it is written, So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now, that word fellowship is the English translation of the Greek word koinonia, which is derived from the root koinos, which is a prefix in ancient Greek. So, if you were to add this prefix, koinos, to words meaning living, owning a purse, a dispute, and mother, well then you would get words that mean living in community together, owning a purse in common, a public dispute, and having a mother in common. So, we see that the root of the word, fellowship, it means to hold something in common. And so that Greek word, koinonia, was used to describe corporations, labor guilds, partners in law firm, and the most intimate of marriage relationships. From the usage of the word, we can conclude that fellowship is a word denoting a relationship that is dependent on more than one individual. It is an interdependent relationship. Koinonia is used 19 times in the New Testament, and in addition to being translated as fellowship, well, it's also translated as contribution, sharing, and participation. And so a close study of the usage of this word shows us that action is always included in its meaning. Fellowship, you see, is not merely being together in one place, but it's doing something together. Fellowship is a relationship of inner unity among believers that expresses itself in outer co-participation with Christ and one another in accomplishing God's will on earth. So, hopefully by now, you should realize that you are already blessed. So, how can you bless others this Christmas? Blessing others will bring you joy. Do you want to experience true Christmas joy? Well, then I challenge you, join forces with the body of Christ and then go out and bless others. Remember what Christ told us. In the NLT, in Matthew 22, 37-40, Jesus said, You must love your Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And Jesus also said in Matthew 9.13, He said, Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And so, in the message paraphrased translation, in Micah 6.8, it says, He's already made it plain how to live, what to do, what God is looking for in men and women. It's quite simple. 
Do what is fair and just to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in your love. Don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. So, in conclusion, the seven C's is the pathway we take to leave Grinchmas and arrive at Christmas. And so I challenge you to go bless others this Christmas and create the joy that you seek to attain for yourself. This is what it's all about. Love your neighbor as you would love yourself. Spread Christmas cheer. Do it openly, loudly for all to hear. And if we love with a lasting impression, perhaps, just perhaps, those who do not believe will catch a glimpse of Christ that will remain with them until that seed in their heart grows into understanding. And when it does, it will be just like it was with the Grinch when his small heart grew three sizes that day. So, go, create joy, bless others, and praise God as you go.